Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father John, my friend Joe. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know, J10 initiative. That's Here we are. We have to say, we're sitting outside. This is great on a beautiful fall day in in a historic scenic Aurora, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, my bedroom is a swampland right now. That's uh, right. We had the flooding in, yeah, uh, in Colorado, as you might have heard. And uh, came back from the mountains to find my bedroom was um, like an aquarium, and so and John was Father John was very sad to find out that the uh, podcast equipment was spared. From I was the hoping, <laughs> I was secretly hoping that the podcast uh, gear was destroyed, but unfortunately, it was not. And so um, we are uh, our rec- rectory is kind of like a little refugee camp. So we thought, you know, let's go outside. So if you hear planes or birds or um, you know wind. Wind, there'll be a lot of wind. We are sitting outside, but it is a lovely day here in uh, Colorado. It's awesome. But the beauty of this day does not satisfy my frustration with the media as of late. <laughs> yes. I have uh, two two stories to talk about. And basically, w- w- the title says it all here, that we are uh, kind of spinning, uh, or we're, we're trying to look at the way that uh, the media is, is spinning things that Pope Francis is saying, mm-hmm. right? Um, so... The first three, and the reason for this podcast is, A, the media's approach to the Pope is different than it has been for the last 30 years. Right. Um, and then secondly, that Pope Francis is actually saying something really profound, and that's why it's so bad the way it's being spun. Mm-hmm. So I think Francis, unlike Benedict and John Paul, uh, they're trying to now uh, kind of uh, take him as kind of a good liberal guy who's, right, right, who's right. trying to condemn the church. John Paul and Benedict were just bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. They were yeah. just the enemies. And they wear they wore red shoes, exactly. And, you know, they were super formal and hid behind the Vatican doors. And exactly. So John McCoy sends me this uh, email, and he says it's from the New York Times, and here's the headline: Pope bluntly faults church's focus on gays and abortion. Okay, where did they get that from? I read the New York Times article. Oh, there's no link whatsoever. There's no comment to where that's from. There's no quotation from the article itself. It's just kind of everything is spun. Mm-hmm. Even Fox News, you know, recently has something on that. Uh, Pope Francis urges urges under, more understanding for homosexuality. Okay, so a little more balanced. But it, what is he saying? Right. And the problem is, as Americans, we just kind of look on our we look for our quick kind of blurbs and we don't have time to really delve in and try and figure out what exactly is the pope saying right. so we hear these things and we get super confused mm-hmm. now that's just the pope as of late and that's been going on for several months right he had that interview and we talked about that um after world youth day after world youth day but then you know uh last week you also had the new secretary of state who's like the number two guy in the vatican right <laughs> And um, he's being interviewed about um, typical the typical kind of controversial questions, right? And they get to the question of married priest, and he and he states the church's teaching on it, mm-hmm. which is that this is not a, uh, this is not dogma, this is not doctrine, but this is a discipline that has a really important sign value and a purpose. But it is a changeable thing, right? Uh, fundamentally, it's not. Uh, yeah, it, it is. In principle, it's changeable. So what happens? So, of course, what gets spun in the media is number two man in the Vatican says priests are going to be married. (laughs) And everybody's freaking out and saying this is crazy. Now, it's even worse when priests start to run with this. There's a priest in our diocese who gave a homily about this. And I think he meant it in jest to kind of be a joke. But 
he did it in such a way that really confused people and it really angered and frustrated a lot of people, which is he basically said, priests are going to be married now. And so I'm going to start this dating service, you know, so priests can kind of recover their ability. And some people are clapping because they're so excited that finally the church is changing its teaching. Some people are super pissed and it's just like, this is a disaster, Mm. right? This is a mess. That guy's an idiot for what he was doing. The media is spinning everything. And Pope Francis is actually doing something really beautiful, and we shouldn't. It's not something we should be afraid of. And just for the record, too, what the Secretary of State said about, uh, you know, priestly celibacy and is the same thing. You know, Benedict has said the same thing, or John Paul II has said. The Church has been saying this. It's funny. Um, I was talking to my brother David. Shout out to my brother David, who is actually serving right now. Got to get our Doman shout out in here. Okay. He's in Afghanistan. I was skyping with him. Yeah, he's a uh, deployed. Crazy orthopedic surgeon. But uh, he's in this. He has no access to the sacraments, so um, uh, which is a shame. But he's in this, uh, doing this Bible study, and with all these Protestants, and um, he mentioned, "Oh yeah, my brother is in seminary. He's going to be a priest." And uh, and the issue of celibacy came up, and how I'm going to be celibate, how I'm celibate. And there was a lady in his Bible study who goes, "Oh, I don't know if you heard, but the Pope just came out and said that the Church is going to change that." Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. like, "No, Classic. I don't know what the Pope said, but he didn't say that. I'm sure." But that's how people are thinking. So classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's just extremely frustrating, and it's very confusing to people. And so what's the point of this podcast? Well, the first point is that Catholics, quit getting your information about the Vatican and about the Pope from the media, period. We have to stop doing that, right? You're just going to be confused. And the the bigger thing is that um, you're going to miss the deeper and beautiful things that he's saying. He's not just a real sloppy media guy, right? Uh, Pope Francis is just like, whoops, I didn't mean to say that, sorry. He's saying really profound and important things, like really like revolutionary in a good sense. Like he's really doing something different, and he's moving us forward in a very beautiful way. But it's not this kind of progressive liberal agenda where we just start kind of pulling back on all the typical kind mm-hmm. of more conservative sex- sexual ethics. Right. So instead of listening to, I don't know, CNN or reading an article about it, just the Pope is super accessible. Like the stuff he says is not hard to understand. It's really down to earth and easy to listen to. So, and where where would you find stuff? That, I mean, just the Vatican website. Well, I what I'm loving is this Pope app. Have you seen this? The Pope app. No. If you have a smartphone, download this thing. It's great because what it does is it just updates you constantly. You get the news, you get the the audiences, you get everything that's there. Okay. And so, um, the uh, um, like for example, let's say I, I read in the New York Times the Pope now is saying you know condemns the church for her position on homosexuality or something ridiculous like that. Oh, they say, oh, okay, well, wait a second. He had this interview with um, this guy on, uh, um, looks like it was September 11th. It was a couple days ago. And I can get it right here on the Pope app. It just kind of pops up. Now, this last interview was not on that, and I had to dig a little more. Um, this, the the all the drama as of late, and again, this is coming out several weeks from now, so unfortunately it's not going to be as interesting, but it was a Jesuit journalist, uh, Antonio Sparado, who writes for uh, this Italian, La Civita Cattolica, I don't know how to pronounce it. I just did my first Spanish mass today, and it was <laughs> barely valid, so my language things are not that good. But anyways, it was published in English in America magazine, and it's an 18-page um, interview, so it's, it's very, very long. But of course, from that 18 pages, they pull the one thing that's controversial and they spin it out of control. So what I want to do is I actually want to go through that one paragraph today uh, and show you how it's actually very, very interesting. So if you want to look for this, America Magazine is online and you can find it. It's the interview. It's called, um, and again, it's the whole thing is really beautiful because uh, he gets very personal. It's called A, a Big Heart Open to God. 
A big heart open to God. So if you just Google that American magazine, okay? And the section where this was, the media's been spinning things as of right now is um, called The Church as a Field Hospital, which is an image he uses to understand the church. The church is a field hospital. Very mm. interesting, right? Yeah. That there's kind of casualties and all these kind of things, and, and it's, it's a fundamentally kind of a medical purpose, Okay. So he goes down and down, and he's talking about Pope Benedict and the, and the good things that he's doing. He's talking about the, the role of the Good Samaritan, these different things. And then he gets down to this question, okay? Um, this The interviewer says to him, um, what do we do with Christians who live in situations that are irregular for the church or in complex situations that, res, that represent open wounds? I mentioned the divorced and remarried, same-sex couples, and other difficult situations. What kind of pastoral work can we do in these cases? What kind of tools can we use? So it's a good question. Right. And it's one that we've been dealing with uh, over the last couple months in particular. Yeah, you have to do something with that question. You can't ignore it. You have to do something with that question. And he talks about the proclamation of the gospel. And he talks about his encounter with homosexual people in uh, Buenos Aires and these different things, right? And then he starts to get into um, what he said in July, right? Which is, again... After World Youth Day, about... What we're trying to convey, which is that we have to engage these issues, but to really do it as the church is doing means to have a pastoral effect, to say the truth in love and to be free of judgment like you were laying out the catechism. And he basically just kind of goes through that. And then it's interesting. This is what he says. And this is the actual phrase that was, this is what was all spun out of control. We cannot insist only on issues related to abortion, gay marriage, and the use of contraceptive methods. Hmm. We cannot insist only on issues related to them. Okay? True. Right. Remember that we talked about that. You know, um, homosexuality, there's, it's several paragraphs in the catechism. It's like three of 2,200, you know. Right. We can't, we can't be insisting on that all the time. This is not possible. He said, I have not spoken much about these things, and I've been reprimanded for that. I don't know who reprimanded the Pope. That's kind of crazy. Um, but we've been reprimanded. We got reprimanded for our approach to homosexuality from both sides. We got people who are saying, you guys are crazy, you're condemning everybody. And then people are saying, you're just another uh, generation of uh, compromised, you know, right. out priests. So, mm-hmm. so we're kind of getting everything here. And then he says, but when we speak about these issues, we have to talk about them in a context. Okay. Right. And we're going to get to that context in a second. The teaching of the church for that matter is clear. And I am a son of the church. But it is not necessary to talk about these issues all the time, hmm. right? The New York Times didn't say Pope Francis comes out and says, I'm a son of the church, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? It's uh, true. It's, it's very, very different. So what he's saying is the church, the teachings of the church are clear. I mean, yeah, Fox News, you know, Pope Francis says the, che- the teaching of the church are clear. Yeah, right. It's, this is not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Now, all that is kind of skipped over, and then we go right to the section that's – that's taken out of obsessed, right? Uh, the church is obsessed with these things. Did well, he say that? Well, here's what he said. The dogmatic and moral teachings of the church are not all equivalent. Hmm. Okay. The church's pastoral ministry cannot be obsessed with the transmission of a disjointed multitude of doctrines to be imposed insistently. Okay. Right. The church's pastoral ministry cannot be obsessed with the transmission of a disjointed multitude of doctrines what he is saying yeah what does that mean what he's saying is that we have to recover an authentic hierarchy and an order to the to the dog, dogmatic and moral teachings of the church they're not all equal okay there's a flow and there's an order and there's a purpose and there's a hierarchy to them and if they're not proclaimed in that way and if we become obsessed 
about just the really controversial issues, mm-hmm. just it becomes upon them. It becomes a disjointed multitude of doctrines that is imposed insistently. Well, it makes sense and because it's all the moral teachings of the church. I think I remember learning this when we had a class at Student Bill on evangelization, and the worst place to begin evangelizing someone is with the moral teachings of the church. Absolutely, because all all of the moral teachings of the church are you know even like things like. You know, you should not kill someone. That flows from something that things about what the church says about who, what humanity is and what we're here for and what our purpose in life is, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and the reason you shouldn't kill someone is rooted in a whole story about what is the world about and what is humanity about? What are mm-hmm. Who are you and who am I and what are we and what are we made for? But to begin with things like contraception and, and for that, basically the danger, which I, I – I understand at least the Pope's concern to be is that the charisma, the like proclamation of the gospel ends up, what's getting communicated is that, you know, we're against contraception or we're against gay marriage. Like instead of like, you know, Jesus Christ has reconciled the world to himself through his passion and death and resurrection, you know, like, like where is the fundamental gospel? Not that the other things are, should be discarded or, or, or are dispensable, right? but that we can't insist so much upon them without the context of, the, the greater story. Right. You know? Absolutely. And so you hear that. What is he saying? He's saying very well, – what he's not saying, again, is what the New York Times says. The Pope bluntly faults church's focus on gays and abortion. That's the New York Times. Oh, it drives me crazy. Compare that again to what he just said. The church's pastoral ministry cannot be obsessed. Cannot be obsessed. Right. right? He's not saying we are obsessed. He's saying it cannot be obsessed. Mm. Why do we get obsessed with the transmission of a disjointed multitude of doctrines? Because everything is so highly politicized. Because everything gets so emotional. Mm-hmm. And we want to stick it to people. We want to, you know what I mean, be bold. We want to be whatever. But he's saying we can't go into that kind of obsession. We have to kind of keep the order. And this is tying back to what you're saying about evangelization. And this is the great thing about Francis is his missionary approach. Proclamation in a missionary style, mm-hmm. okay, focuses on the essentials on the necessary things. This is also what fascinates and attracts more, what makes the heart burn as it did for the disciples to Emmaus. We have to find a new balance, right? Mm. So what he's cautioning us towards is getting into the kind of the the political battle and making that our our fundamental kind of approach, Mm -hmm. hermeneutic, so to speak, for how we proclaim the gospel. Proclamation in a missionary style focuses on the essentials. If we captivate their hearts with Jesus Christ... Everything else falls into place. I didn't come back to the faith because somebody hammered me about the church's teaching on contraception. And I was like, you know what? I think that's right. I think I'm wrong. And then everything else made sense. It was I encountered the person of Jesus. And that's what he's saying. And it's not to say that these things don't have to be said. We have to be men of the church. <laughs> yeah. The teachings are clear. It's not necessary to talk about these issues all the time. We have to talk about them. But they're, they're, we, we have to be very careful of this obsession. And I see this. It's kind of reactionary mm. you know, neoconservatism that – that is is going to be really damaging uh, because it's political instead of missionary in its kind of essence. So, right. We're, we're the the church is out to to bring souls into the fold of Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like if you were making if you're trying to convince someone to get married, the the church focusing and you know being the pastoral ministry of the church being obsessed with these controversial issues, that would be like trying to convince somebody to get married by talking about yeah well if you get married and have children, uh, you know you probably won't be able to 
retire, you know, at, you know, at 50, but you'll have probably have to wait till you're 65 or something like that. And you won't be able to get a really nice car. But, you know, it's like, and this is marriage, you know, yeah. like all these sacrifices and the yeah. things that are kind of hard. But within the context of marriage, yeah, it, it can be beautiful, you know, but we just can't forget what, what's, what's marriage really about. Right. You know, oh, it's about giving your life to another and receiving the life of another and your life bearing fruit and you experiencing real joy and, and laying down your life for someone uh, and finding your life, you know, right. with, you know, it's like, but like, you can't miss the heart of it and focus on things that are part of it, part of the package, but not the heart of it. Not the, like he says, what, what is necessary, what is essential. Um, Absolutely. And, and I, I just took over marriage preparation in RCA at my parish and I'm working with these teams. And what I'm trying to show them is like, you know, especially in RCA, the third of four pillars of the catechism is the moral life, right? It's not just first. Right. So we can't just be like, okay, what beefs you got at the Catholic Church? Let's talk about it. It's like, no, we got to start with the proclamation of the word with Christ. And the same with marriage prep. We just, we can't just come in and say, okay, quit living together and do these other things. We have to we have to really evangelize them. His next paragraph, and this is kind of the last thing I'll talk about from this, but again, super, really interesting stuff for us as guys who are giving homilies. He said, a beautiful homily, a genuine sermon must begin with with the first proclamation with the proclamation of salvation. There's nothing more solid, deep, and sure than this uh, draw even... Let's see. Oh, sorry. Um, than this this proclamation. There's nothing more solid, deep, and sure than this proclamation. Then you have to do catechesis. Evangelization, the proclamation, catechesis, right, which comes from the Greek word to re-echo, the redounding of the word, right, the catechize. Right. Then you draw out the moral consequence. But the proclamation of the saving love of God comes before moral and religious imperatives. Today, sometimes it seems that the opposite order is prevailing. Hmm. The homily is the touchstone to measure the pastor's proximity and ability to meet his people, because those who preach must recognize the heart of their community and must be able to see where the desire for God is lively and ardent. This is the difference between the liberal American Catholic thing and Pope Francis. What he's saying is that the moral teachings of the church are catechetical. And they have to follow from evangelization, from the proclamation, right? And he's building on on, on uh, John Paul II, who's saying we need a new evangelization. Right? We cannot presuppose that people in the West have been evangelized. Right. And we can just start catechizing. We can't. We have to give them, in its integrity, the proclamation of the Paschal Mystery. We have to do that first. Mm-hmm. We have to lead them to an encounter with Christ. Exactly. And then we can draw out the moral implications. Mm-hmm. But what he's saying here is this obsession, this kind of frenzy over the controversial issues pre- is presupposing that people have been evangelized right. and that they're just, we need to just catechize them. And it's like, no, we got to, we got to go back to the foundation here. And we really have to lay that groundwork again mm. if we're going to kind of rebuild these things. So super interesting stuff. The difference is, is that um, the liberal thing, the liberal project is just to remove those teachings. It's to remove the moral consequences right. of faith, which is to destroy, there goes a plane, do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Which means to destroy the actual proclamation itself. Yeah. Huh. I, yeah they're, they're hoping that some of these things are going to change. The church is going to change teaching. And just so people know, I don't think Pope Francis is going to change anything as far as like the doctrine or the moral doctrines of the church. Yeah. I mean, there might be a different pastoral application in a few issues. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I'm not Pope Francis, but um, if, if I'm listening, if I'm hearing what he's saying, he's he's trying to shift the focus and our approach, but not like the liberal media wants us to believe that oh, these things are open for change, and he's going to start changing right. all these things that we have issues with. Right. And and that's a very different thing. He to try and lead us in a unique way to kind of to take a new balance, a new approach. 
it's no different than John Paul saying we need new expressions, we need new means, we need mm-hmm. new ardor. It's just it's the it's the same. I see it as continuous. And Benedict, yeah, I mean uh, both of them. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that he said that we've been popes have been saying for a long time, yeah. but the media seems to be fascinated with this man saying. What's it. interesting is that when he was the um, bishop of Buenos Aires, he was renowned for being shy with the media, and he was considered uh, like an ultra conservative. But what he says, and he talks about this honestly in the issue, he said the reason I was considered an ultra conservative is because I, I wasn't collaborating enough in my decision making process. So what he, and he starts talking about how. Then he started to engage more with bishops and seek the counsel of his brother priests and these different things before he would kind of implement these decisions. And so it's cool to think that um, fraternity is is a big thing for him. And the way that you counter the claim of neoconservatism is not through um, just dumbing things down, but it's actually through a deeper uh, friendship with your brother priests and bishops. That's an interesting thing for us to consider. It is. That for those priests who are young and orthodox and are called, quote, neoconservative, the response, if we're going to follow the Pope's lead, is actually we need to be more deeply united in the bond of fraternal charity hmm. uh, with one another and friendship. That that's going to be the way that we're able to develop and to offer a more human approach to these things. So, interesting stuff. It is interesting stuff. Um, so, in the end, don't even listen to us about what the Pope says. Don't go re- listen to us. Go read it. Don't listen to CNN. Don't we listen spin, to New York yeah. Times. And don't listen to us either. Because it's 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 accessible. Go yeah. to the Vatican website, Pope app, whatever you want to do. Exactly. But the Pope has a lot of good things to say. He does, and it's worth listening to. So it is. Thank you very much. That's all I got. <laughs> do you done. have an email or anything? I don't. I, I didn't look at the emails. Sorry about that. Stink. I know, but we do appreciate your emails. So keep them coming. Catholics, Catholic Stuff Podcast at Gmail dot com. That's it. Thanks for listening. 